Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Ryan Avilas. I am the runner of, let's see, how many Instagrams I actually have. 17 million. Uh, I do have 17 million, right? I have Working on Ryan. That's W-O-R-A-K-I-N underscore on underscore Ryan. I have 80 cinemas. I have 90 cinemas. I have Timeline, the official podcast, which is, that's another whole podcast, but um, welcome to Closer to Free. And I've been wanting to do this for a while just to document what I go through while I am on my weight loss journey. And I am here with my beautiful, beautiful girlfriend, Allie. Allie. Hi. Um, we actually have a poll going on my working on Ryan Instagram right now, whether or not Allie should actually make a journey page, which I honestly think you should. That's just me. I, I do. Know. You've been talking about it and I'm still... You're on the fence. Well, you know what it is? I just don't want my entire being to become about losing weight. I mean, that's not everything that I am. I'm way more than that. So I feel like if I did do that, I would offer a lot more than just weight loss. I would probably offer like personal growth and spirituality and stuff like that because that's really who I am as a person. You can make it whatever you want it to be. And that's the thing. I mean, that it, it's going to be about... What makes you a better person for yourself? Mm-hmm. Not for everybody else, but what I've learned is that doing this holds you accountable. You know what I mean? You don't have to put it out there for everybody. You don't have to. Listen, if you want it to be private, you can. But it's nice to have a following. It's nice to have another support system besides like me, you know, your family, you know, my family, your friends, whatever the case may be. It's just nice to hold yourself accountable and it's nice to do something for you for once. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, closer to free is going to be, like I said before, about just documenting, um, my weight loss journey. And if you want to continue to do this with me, you can, Allie, uh, my weight loss journey, uh, your weight loss journey and what we find that we head on as we go into this journey, the struggles, cause you know, the struggle is real with food mm-hmm. and being around family and barbecues and yeah, parties. It's, summer. it's definitely rougher in the summer. Yeah. And I mean, like it, it's... It's always something, I feel like. Yeah, it is always something. It is, like always going out to dinner, barbecues and stuff like that. So what I want to do right now is just touch base on a little bit of my story. And then we'll go into Allie's story. And we'll talk about how we got to this part, meaning like doing this whole podcast and so forth. So, all right, guys. I was overweight my entire life. And, you know, coming from an Italian family, even though I'm Puerto Rican and Italian, I was raised Italian. So, you know, we had sauce Sundays and, you know, we always had, you know, chicken parmesan and pasta and all this good Italian food. Even during the holidays, it was always just a mess of the whole thing of food. And uh, I always was overweight, even as a baby. And I always overate. And not that it was like my mom's fault or anything like that, but... I was just always a big kid. You I know? feel like it was also your your culture within your family. Like your family mm-hmm. doesn't really have boundaries or limits when it comes to stuff like that. They just enjoy themselves. Yeah, and that, and that's on a and it's on an everyday basis. I mean, you see it firsthand. Mm-hmm. So you can only imagine when you weren't around and I was a little kid. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, think about it. Like now, like how. You know, my godson is around and, the, the you know, even though they try to be in, quote, health, like healthy, it's not it's not what it should be. And but again, not everybody 
not everybody knows how to eat the right thing or to be healthy and make the right portions and make the right decisions. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's not like this is just something that you just wake up and you're like, oh, hey, like I know how to eat this. Like, well, I know how to make this better. You don't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You do need that help. So, you know, always being a big kid, I I had my share of issues. You know, um, I couldn't get the best clothes. You know, even though I had everything, I was always spoiled, but I couldn't get the best clothes. My jeans were always too tight. There's stories about my mother. You hear my mother talking about how, like, my pampers wouldn't even fit. She had to tape the damn sides. Ridiculous from birth. Yeah. How I broke, like, my cousin's ribs from her lifting me. Like, that's a problem. What? You never told me that. I never told you that? No, that's wild. Well, well you're learning about it now. <laughs> yeah, my, my cousin lifted me. My cousin Caroline lifted me. And I damaged her ribs. Yeah, it's it was bad. It was really bad. How my legs were so chubby. You know those little, like, rocking horses? Yeah. They, like, they have the springs on them. My leg got caught in there. Oh, yeah. Like, I had some issues, man. And, you know... Nobody really ever said anything about my weight that I remember except my father. And my father wasn't around. And I'm openly saying that. He definitely wasn't around. That's a little more private. I won't get into that whole thing. But my dad wasn't around. And when he did come around, he pointed out to my mother that, how did I get like this? You know, and... Truth is, when I was younger and my mom would say, maybe we should eat this or Ryan, you should have a little bit more, I would throw a tantrum over food. So, sorry, that was a little, I didn't realize, I just realized right now, like some of the things that my mom would say, like, Ryan, I want here's enough, and I would like throw a tantrum about how much food I had on my plate. Yeah, but you were only reacting or coping like children learn from seeing you ever heard like monkey see monkey do yeah that's how children learn so you've seen somebody else do that or react like that when they didn't get what they wanted or when they were upset with something and that was your response because that was what you were taught was appropriate so maybe not don't necessarily think that you're like this chubby ridiculous person because you were mad that you didn't get some more pasta. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's not just about you wanting food. Well, no, it wasn't only that. Listen, I wasn't an active kid either. I mean, I used to sit in the living room and play with my wrestlers or play my video games because I had every single one of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like, oh, it was like my cousins were going outside with me or my friends were going outside and we were throwing a ball around or playing basketball. It wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. Not at all. I wasn't very active. Actually, I wasn't active at all. And... Mm-hmm. When you eat and you overeat and you're a chubby kid, you don't do those things. So, but yeah, that's the one thing I do remember about my dad is that like my dad, I'll never forget, like he started coming around and uh, we went for Chinese food once and I guess it was the way I was eating. And he said to my mom, like, what do you look at this kid? Like, what are you doing? And you know, that's traumatizing for a kid, you know, like to hear your dad that you don't really know comes around and he was just upset. And I don't think he was aiming it at me or no. being like trying to be like, in, like insult me. But he was trying to tell my mom, like, what are you doing? Like, what is this kid doing? Like, why is he doing this? Yeah. But not realizing that I realize this now at the age of 35 that my relationship with my father is 
one of the big reasons why my weight is still what it is. So, you know, all the way up until, all the way up until my teenage years, my teenage years is where it started to peak. Um, after I tried to play football and do all those things and my knee started to hurt or whatever, my senior year was really, really bad. Like I entered my senior year weighing, well, actually weighing about 370 pounds at my senior year. That was before school even started during that summer. Mm -hmm. And this is the summer of 2001, you know, out here in Long Island is an amusement park, you know, Adventureland. We, my whole family went and it was really, really hot. It was brutally hot that day. And there's like this like dip inside the park where you like, you're walking through and it's like a, like a little bit of a hill and we had to go up the hill and me being at that weight so young at 17 years old, I almost passed out. I had like, I saw like these white little flashing lights and I was sweating profusely and my mother was spraying water on me and uh, I just didn't feel good. I really didn't. The next day I went to the cardiologist and he just looked at me and he looked at my mother and he was like, I'm admitting you to the hospital. And if you don't go, I, it's not going to be a good outcome, but we should probably, probably call the ambulance for you. And my mom was like, no, 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 we have a ride. We'll, we'll go to the hospital. I go to the hospital. They check me out. And I had a bad case of arrhythmia, which if you don't know what arrhythmia is, it's just a really, it's an irregular heartbeat, but it's not something that like you're, well, I guess you can't be born with it, but I wasn't born with it. It just happened because of my weight. Yeah. Your body was working so hard that day. Yeah. So, um, I was in the hospital for about the whole course took like two or three weeks and, uh, there were some things that happened in that hospital where I was just, now that I think about it, well, for starters, they couldn't weigh me on a regular scale. And, you know, you think about it, you know, 370 or 380 pounds or whatever I was, I knew I wasn't 400 yet, but if you think about it, at that age, at 17 years old, you know, I'm not 18, so I was still in the pediatric wing, which I'm grateful for because they had like video games there and stuff, but... At 17 years old, being 370 pounds, at that point, like, I wasn't even really embarrassed that they couldn't weigh me on a scale. So how they weighed me was me laying on a bed. You know, they have those beds where they have the scale on them, mm -hmm. where we've seen them on My 600 Pound Life. Um, yeah, like, they weighed me on that. And the doctor came in, he was very nice, and he explained what arrhythmia was to me and everything, and what we had to do to get to like my heart to go back to regular or whatever. And, uh, they started giving me like these big blue horse pills and I had no idea what they were. I'm starting to think that they were fat burners. They had to be a do something because the first week that I was in that hospital, I dropped like 25 pounds. Wow. That's a lot. In one week, in one week I dropped 25 pounds and I wasn't really like, I was eating better. I was on a very strict diet. Like the other kid that was in the same room with me, he shared a room. This kid got electrocuted and he was across the room from me and he was getting like all the good shit. He was getting pizza. Like his mom was bringing him donuts, but he didn't have a weight problem. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they were giving me like roasted herb, grilled chicken with like a piece of a sweet potato and skim milk and a bottle of water. I was like dreading it the entire time. But eating that 
plus taking that medicine and doing whatever was making me drop fast. Mm -hmm. So what I was saying was before, like when, when I said some stuff happened in that hospital, I'll give you an example. Late at night, you know how they leave the food there, right? Where if you're hungry, you can eat it later. I didn't touch my dinner. Didn't touch it at all. I had at the time Nintendo 64. I rented it from the, the place in there and they brought it to me and I was playing it. And the kid uh, who was across, he wanted to play it. And I noticed that he had, um, it looked like Elio's Pizza. And he had a, a strawberry frosted donut. And he had a Nesquik or a Yoohoo or something like that. I can't remember. And you switched with him so well, he could play your Nintendo 64. Well, I tried to bribe him. I said, you want to play this? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, all right, let's make a let's make a deal. I was like, you take that tray and you slide it over. And the Nintendo 64 thing, it was like on a giant cart. So if I pushed it a little bit, it went towards him. And as soon as as soon as he said, all right, because he's not going to give a shit about me. Um, the nurse came in and she saw that I was trying to pull the cart over towards me. And man... This is such a Ryan story that you're making deals for pizza. Yeah. And video games. Yeah, it was it was bad. It was definitely bad. <laughs> um and then it was so bad that his mom, the kid's mom, talked to the nurse the next day because she was wondering what happened and why he was saying that he was hungry. Cause so by the time that the the nurse came into the room, the cart was halfway and I had managed this is how bad this was. I had managed take the donut off the tray and put it under my pillow. Yeah, that's how bad it was because I wanted it so bad because I was so disappointed and so like, I just didn't want that food. I really didn't. It didn't matter it if I- It felt like a punishment because it wasn't enjoyable. Correct. So can I say something? Sure. Um, You said that you didn't feel embarrassed that they couldn't weigh you on, on a scale in there, right? Mm -hmm. And- I didn't want to interrupt you, but I'm thinking, like, it makes sense to me why you weren't embarrassed. Because a lot of people are probably like, why would you not be embarrassed about that? But it makes sense to me, just knowing you and your family, why you're not embarrassed. Because everyone in your family has a weight problem. Mm -hmm. So every, you know, it's just something that is accepted. And it's like, yeah, we're all big. We, we got to eat better. But, you know, let's have some pasta tonight you know that kind of thing it's kind of like yeah we know about it but whatever yeah because it, it's sometimes in maybe and i don't know about my entire family but i i've seen it done here before when my aunts were alive uh food was used as a reward well that's what i was just that was my next thing so yeah. your family truly finds pleasure in food and you know there's some some people say food is nutrition and food is power and fu food is fuel it's not something that you can be that you should be enjoying obsessing over or planning around right right and your family does the opposite they enjoy it you know if if um someone does something good they'll have an ice cream night or you know if Whatever they just they just celebrate with food, and I think a lot of people do that. It's part of the American culture. It's not abnormal, but I think that your family takes it to a certain extent that I've not seen other people do before. Mm -hmm. Of course, everyone enjoys food, right? Everybody, but, everybody enjoys food. I mean, I could talk to people that lost weight and they love food. Yeah, everybody loves food. everyone loves food, but I think that your family 
it's just a di- it's a different level. Like they won't eat. If you say, you know, like today I had a really healthy meal. We're not even going to go into the specifics. I had a really healthy meal. Your family's like, oh, that's gross. And I wouldn't eat that. That's gross. And I, I want to like my food and I want to this. It's more yeah, of like a, yeah. a focus on like what it does for them and the experience they have with it versus being good for them. Yeah. Or being nourishment. And it's not that, you know, just because we're saying like how they eat, it doesn't make them bad people. No, of and it course not. And it doesn't make their choices like what they want to do. And that's up to them. Like, it's they just wanna... a way for us to create a clearer picture of where you came from. Absolutely. Um, so what I was saying about the, the donut, how I showed the donut, uh, I had gotten in trouble the next day, not from my mother, but from the doctor. I don't even know if my mother knows this, but the doctor came in and... They the the nurse came in to like you know fluff my pillow because I had these things hooked up to me like the IVs and stuff and I couldn't shower I had to basically like wash up or whatever and take a horse bath pretty much <laughs> and the nurse came in and she went to go like take the pillowcase and it had strawberry frosting all over it and then she was like why is there frosting all over this like pillowcase and I was just like I just shrugged my shoulders and I was like I don't know meanwhile. Meanwhile, I had sprinkles on my my gown, and she was like, "Doctor," she's like, and she took him into the corner. And she spoke to him, and he came back to me. And he goes, "Mr. Avilas," he goes, "You're very young. You're a young man. I know you know right from wrong. You, I don't know where you got this donut from, and I wasn't even gonna begin. The nurse obviously didn't tell him. He's like, but I don't even want to know where you got the donut from." You cannot eat these things. And again, no embarrassment. Just shrug my shoulders. Yeah. Because it wasn't something that you've ever been told before. No. And and at that point, this is now like my seventh or eighth day into the hospital. And uh, that was the day. Like after he saw that I ate the donut, he came back to me and was like, listen, your mom's here and everything, but we're going to do a procedure. And I was like, okay, what's the procedure? And... You know, he explained it to my mom and everything already, but he was trying to explain it to me, and it involved this huge needle. And what they had to do was basically stick the catheter down and basically lift up my heart a little bit so the heart would start beating regular again. And my mom and my aunts were all there, and they started to cry because, you know, I'm a kid. It's 17 years old. Yeah. And that that's when the bribes came in. That's when the bribes came in. My aunt Joanne bribed me with a pizza. My and Carol bribed me with a Nintendo 64 video game. And my mom kept saying to me, you'll be able to eat normally once we get out of here. Don't worry. You'll yeah. be fine. I'm going to help you make... We'll, we'll eat normally and we'll eat healthy. And the eat healthy part never happened. No. it, it, it Till this day, like, listen, it, it, I'm sure my mom cooks a lot better and I'm not knocking her at all. But it's not what I would need it to be or for anybody else to try to be healthy what they would need it to be. Basically, you can't do better unless you know better. And I think that there's a lot of lack of education, even in schools, just about doing better. Without a doubt. So how could anybody know better unless they were taught? Fast forward after high school, working a regular job, you know, working a full-time job up at Pathmark because that's how old I am. And, uh, my weight just really started to increase. And by the time of 2008, and I posted a video about this uh, a few days ago where I was actually 
my, I was the best man for my cousin's wedding. And this was like the pinnacle. Like this was at the top. If I could tell you, like if someone said to me, what's your worst time you could think about when you were overweight and it had to be at my cousin's wedding. Um, at that time, I felt a lot of different emotions. And that was the first time in my life that I have. I was 574 pounds at my cousin's wedding. I didn't, I barely fit into the barber chair. And going for clothes was a, that was a trying time. There was a store over here called Edward and Allen Big and Tall. And my cousin, you know, he got his tuxedo from, not even from that place. Him and my other cousins went to another place and they all rented tuxedos and they all were going to match because they're part of the bridal party. But I had to go to this place for me. And the tailor took one look at me and said, I don't have a vest that's going to fit you. I'm not going to lie. And I said to him, what do you mean? And I said, what size do you go up to? And he told me, he was like, we go up to here. We go up to like 58 or 50 something. It was around the 50s. And I was like, okay. So they took my measurements and he told me that I needed like a 75 for a jacket. Holy shit. Yeah. It was really bad. And my pants size were 72. So I, at that point, I got embarrassed. Because after he ordered pants for me, those pants still didn't fit after I went back to try to get fitted. They didn't fit. And what he had to do was take the back stitching and open it up more so like my ass fit in it better. And that when I sat down, I wouldn't like rip my pants open. Mm -hmm. And he had to place like two extra buttons in a zipper, which was horrible. I was so embarrassed. The vest part, my cousin wanted like the silver metallic vest. And they had something like that, but it was like a 3X. That's all they had. They didn't have any bigger sizes. So what he did was he took the two stripe, like the, the, the patterns on top on the vest, and he sewed two of them together back to back. That way I had a back for the vest and I had a uh, front. And the back would open up and then he had to extend the like this like little buckle. You know like the vests have buckles on the back? Mm -hmm. He had to extend it to the point where it was so open that where if I put it on, it wouldn't tear. Because my my back was so large, it was so wide. And uh, my sleeves were so like, they like come up to my knuckles on my hands because he didn't know, I needed like arm room and stuff. It was so bad. After everything, we had a hard time finding shoes for me because I needed four E's shoes wide width. It was such a trying time and it cost my cousin a lot of money. And Joe, if you hear this, dude, I really appreciate you. I love you. Honestly, at that point, like, I would have been so mad at me because here's, I'm supposed to be his best man and he's paying for my stuff because I couldn't afford a suit like that. There have been times when I've been frustrated with you. What about what? About like my clothes? No, not your clothes. Um, Like, we'll go for when, before we were kind of trying to do better, I would like say, let's go for a walk or I'd be like, let's just walk over here and you'd be like... Any excuse, any reason in the book not to walk. And I'm like, what is the problem? Let's just go walk. Yeah, because I, Alia, it's, it's, it was hard for me. Right. And I understood that, but I also was frustrated with you because I was like, why, this shouldn't be a problem. Why, why have we let this become a problem? Well, that was the thing why I kept asking myself, 
why is this an issue for me? What What is going on? Yeah. So. And it, just because I was frustrated with you doesn't mean that I wasn't frustrated with myself with other things, too. Because there have definitely been times when I've asked myself, why is this a problem for you? Like, this shouldn't be a problem for you. Yeah. Yeah. After, after the wedding, you know, um, I was actually sorry, but during the wedding, before the wedding, actually, before the wedding, after I got my clothes, those were hard times for me because there were nights where, and I addressed this in the video also, there were times where I would sit in this very basement where we record now, um, play my video games, and I would cry because I knew that, one, I probably didn't have a long time to live. That's number one, because look at the weight that I was at. Number two, at the weight that I was at, I couldn't get a good job. So if I did run into something like that where I needed an expensive suit or something like that, I didn't have the money for it. Number three, I felt like my family and a lot of other people just didn't understand. But truth of the matter is, I could have done something myself to try to limit myself, and I didn't. I had I gave myself no boundaries whatsoever. Fast forward to a little bit. I met my ex-wife. We tried to do Weight Watchers, which I lost weight on that. And then once after I got married, we uh, actually, we both had weight loss surgery and I went after her and I lost a lot of weight. I did. I, before my surgery started, the day of my surgery, I weighed 448 pounds. And then after my surgery, about seven to eight months, I lost and I got down to around I want to say around anywhere from 270 to 290. And I was looking really, really good. I was getting compliments and clothes fit me a lot better. I was able to go into like Burlington and buy something off the rack or Walmart and just buy like a 3X t-shirt. And it was great. I was loving that. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And after like the seventh to eighth month, after I had my surgery, my weight started to climb right back up. Now... There's numerous reasons as to why that happened, but when you go for surgery, you have to go through the whole process. You have to go through all the psych evals. You have to go through the um, the physical tests. You, you should know. make uh, an episode on it, like with more detail about well, my, everything about like, surgery. About my surgery? Yeah. I should. Yeah, I should. Um, but long story short is they fix your stomach and they don't fix your brain. So even though I had my surgery and even though people were telling me how good I looked and how much healthier I looked, it didn't resonate in my brain. So it, I have two things with that, right? Um, last week, we talked about how the food serves a purpose. And maybe you were at the goal weight that you wanted, but the purpose, the, the food still had a purpose, basically. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely comforted that's why, me. That's why you say it, it wasn't enough because... There was still purpose there that wasn't being addressed. And you just said it fixes your stomach and it doesn't fix your head. Yeah, but it, there's also other things that's like, it's a different mindset. You know, I, I went out of my way, Allie. I went out of my way to try to find things to still eat, to try like subconsciously. You push the limits. But to per I don't know if it was purposely to gain weight. I, I, no, I, I think you you just knowing you. 
you don't really like being told what to do. No, I don't. You don't really like following rules. Mm-hmm. And you were testing the limits. And I don't think you wanted to gain weight. I think you just wanted to see what you could get away with. Well, the day after surgery, I visited my mother. I came back here. My ex-wife was at work. And she was like the food police. So around her, I was like, you know, I couldn't eat anything, you know, whatever the case may be. But without her, I came here. And, you know, my mom always has junk food around the house. And... My Aunt Carol was eating Swedish fish, and I snuck one just to see, knowing that I could possibly either vomit or maybe something might happen with the sugar or the gelatin in there, whatever whatever's in there like that could hurt me, and I didn't care. I ate one, and I was fine. I was fine, but in my head, I'm like, hmm, what else did the, these people that did the surgery lie about to me? Which, I'll get into that as well, but on a separate episode, but... I you like you're right. I always push the limits. I did, and with that mentality, what that mentality does is it makes you try to find other ways to get away with things. For an example, all the foods that I that I tried to get down, popcorn. Popcorn is very easy to get down. Ice cream is ridiculously easy to get down. Why? Because it melts and it turns into liquid. Now, granted, with a surgery, you can't eat or drink much, but over time, your stomach does expand. Not to where it'll ever, ever be. Until this day, knock on wood, six years later, you see, you, you see firsthand, my stomach, I, I have a limit mm-hmm. and I stop eating, which is, which is great. And then I start to sneeze, which is a nice warning. But, um, you've also, when you talk about testing the limits, you've also, you're very smart and you figured out a way that even though your stomach stops you from eating, it's only temporary. And you know you can go back a little while later. Yes. So you that was exactly perfect. After I eat, just like everybody, you you know, you sit there, you for a while, you stop eating, you digest for a little bit, but then I go back for it. It it to me, like thinking about it now, it doesn't make sense. Because if you're if you're full and you're done, be done. Walk away. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I kept going back for it. There's so many reasons as to why. I won't get into it now. I'll save that for another episode. But leading up to my weight going all the way back up, not all the way back up, I'm sorry. I'm not my, I wasn't at my heaviest. But I will say this I stated how much I weighed at my heaviest. If I added it up, I believe, actually, no, I'm not going to reveal that because that's for me. That's personal. I won't do that, not yet anyway. But after my divorce and trying to, find myself and try to find my happiness I met you and you and I fell in love and we were happy and all we kept doing to have fun was to pretty much eat go out to eat the way that I describe it to people is it's kind of like when you take time off work we took off because we were both in relationships that were unfulfilling and We were in relationships where we were genuinely unhappy and then we were happy with each other. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like we took off. We neglected our responsibility to ourselves. Right. We neglected, you know, our our intelligence about like, okay, you, you need to chill out. This isn't great for you. And we just had fun together. And it got to a point where we were both like, well, shit. (laughs) Now look. Yeah. I mean, you know, me and you are together now. A little, actually, uh, 
almost a year. Well, actually, it is a year. We just had our anniversary. What am I talking about? But throughout the whole year, our weight increased big time. And when we just took that picture in March, when we went to Florida for your father's uh, father's house, that picture, when you showed that to me, Ali, I was so disappointed with myself because I just let myself go. And, you know, your dad said something to me about like, you know, you guys have to just lose weight. You know, I'm worried about her weight too. And he's right because if I love you, which I do, you know, I do. And I'm in love with you and I, and I'll love you forever because you're my girl, but he's right. If I loved you, I'd not only want to help you, but I'd want to do something about myself. Right. You know, to be around longer and, and same thing for you. And when we were sitting at the table that day in his house up in Florida, and he said that it really kind of like stuck with me. And then when we got back, I made sure that I wasn't going to let that ruin my time. We ate what we wanted to eat. We did what we wanted to do. When we got back from Florida, I made sure that I would at least try to do something. I had a plan. It wasn't like I was going to come back and just not do anything. And for a little bit, we did just like sit on the fence and coast it. We coronavirus did. happened. Coronavirus happened, but that was bad because now we're in the house together all the time, and all we did was like chant, like well, snack. We were on stocked shit. up, and I think we were stress eating because I yeah, mean, you don't, you it was don't very stressful. Yeah, you don't know what's going to happen, and you don't know what you know what's going on. So we just stressed it, like you said. But there was one night where I actually went on my working on Ryan profile on Instagram took a little break from doing 80 cinemas and 90 cinemas and I went through the wormhole and I follow people like obese to beast and gourmet goes keto and Danny gets fit and you know possible Pat and I follow all these people and then I started to see like pictures with this guy with blonde hair and a beard and I'm like and I it wasn't just like there was one picture there was a few pictures of him and I clicked on his link and the link was transformational truth mm-hmm. and I stumbled upon Noah's page and I saw that he was a nutritionist now the first thing that stuck in my mind is you know I'm like "Mm, he's verified he's got over 200,000 followers you know it says you know email him or click you or you know send a DM and I sent a DM and I'm like "Mm, he's not going to respond I sent a DM to him at like 2 in the morning but I also sent an email at 2 in the morning as well and I went to sleep 10 o'clock in the morning I wake up and I have an email from him, and I also have a DM. I was so surprised. But I, th- from what he tells me, you know, m- my my story kind of stuck out, and it was kind of like a plea. Like, I was, like, pleading for, like, help, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, the next day, I actually ended up signing up. And, you know, you were with me. You pushed me. You're like, listen, if you can do this, and, you know, you think it's going to work for you, then do it. And... Fast forward to two and a half months later. Now you're on his plan uh-huh. and I'm doing it. And this has been the most consistent that I've been. I don't know about you, but this has been the most consistent since I've been on on a type of lifestyle change yeah. from my surgery. And listen, I'm only down a little over 30 pounds. It's nothing crazy, not yet, but I've noticed my energy increase, you know, like my level increase. I've noticed that my clothes fit better. And when we took that picture this Sunday, this past Sunday at your mom's birthday beach party thing, it looked, we looked so different yeah, than we did when we were in Florida. I mean, I couldn't believe 
the size of my shoulders and my chest and my belly. You were like a brick wall. Yeah, like I, I took used up to the tell whole you picture. That. I used to be like, don't walk in front of me. I can't see. Yeah, well, that's because you next to me, you, you know, <laughs> you're so short. No offense. Yeah, it's not an untaken. But just to give you an idea, Ryan is six foot and I am five two. And technically, I'm supposed to be a tiny little thing. And for the most part, I am other than my weight. But yeah. so we're very, very opposite ends of the spectrum as far as height and size. But we, you know, we, we've we been doing this together and we both had success for the last two and a half months. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wish. Actually, I don't wish, I, you know, it, it would be, I think it would be normal enough to say like, you know, yeah, it's been trying, you know, and, you know, I've had some hiccups along the way and two and a half months we really haven't it's been pretty i don't want to jinx it but it's been pretty easy i mean he's made it really easy for us yeah noah's definitely made it very easy for us and i think also the fact that we're doing it together and we're supporting each other you know we have a routine we cook every weekend we go shopping together everything that we do is together and we're able to hold each other accountable We eat at the same times, you know, like I always used to say, I don't like working out with people and I'll, I'll still hold true to that. I'm not working out with anybody. Yeah. I I don't, I don't don't like it because we could do our own thing. Absolutely. I feel like people rush. Except for for walks and stuff like that. Well, yeah, simple stuff, but I feel like people rush. They, they want to do their workout and they want you to do it with, it's just not, I like my own thing Mm -hmm. and I never really did a lifestyle change with anybody before um, or was successful with doing a lifestyle change with anybody because same at the end of the day, like we are together all the time. So it's kind of just so much easier than doing it with a friend or like, you know, with my mom um, and we're just very comfortable with each other. So I think that's definitely been a key to both of our successes that we have each other and we're both in it together without a doubt I, I honestly couldn't have said it better Allie and you know this is something that we're in it for the long haul you know um, my my story is my own journey you know I do think that how far you've come on this for the two and a half months you know for women it's not it's not easy to lose weight Mm-hmm. especially with some of the things that you suffer from. Um, if you want, you know, I already told my story and I gave some tidbits here and there, but why don't you tell us what led you up to you doing this whole thing with Noah and, you know, what got you here and why you changed besides just being with me and doing a lifestyle change? Why don't you give us a little bit of a background as to what got you here and what made you decide to make a change? Well, unlike you, I wasn't always chubby. That's correct, because I've seen pictures of you, and oh yeah, I was, <laughs> I was a tiny little thing. Not that I, not well. Let me just say this first: not that I don't think you owe you now, because I always tell you that you're beautiful. You know that. No, I and I, I know that there's a difference between overweight and beautiful. Like you can be beautiful and be overweight. There's without a doubt. So I wasn't always chubby. I began to gain weight around like eight, nine years old. Um, and basically didn't stop. I mean, it was slow as I grew up, but then as I got into my twenties, it increased a lot really, and, and fast. Yeah. Um, 
But I've seen pictures of you, and you weren't heavy, though. You weren't like, I wouldn't even say that's chubby. At what time? In your early 20s. I mean, I've seen pictures with you in your early 20s, and I wouldn't say that's chubby. Well, so before I got into my 20s, I lost a lot of weight, and it was more of a distraction from what was going on and how upset I was uh, with my relationship at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I put all my focus and energy very unhealthily, weighing myself every day, you know, obsessing over a, not even a pound gain, that's running good. myself yeah, that's ragged on, on an elliptical, like pushing myself to just do one more mile, like just really kind of in a way abusive. But I was so hurt that I just didn't want to feel that anymore. So I just ran and I just ate blueberries. You know what I mean? Yeah, see that you never told guys. By the way, for those that are listening, I've never heard this before. Yeah. So I'm learning this with you, but wow, just yeah. blueberries? No, I, of course I eat more than blueberries. Oh, I'm just... saying like, wait a minute, what the hell? Like, no, I, I mean, I lost like 50 pounds. That's a lot on a woman in four months. That's a lot, Allie. That's I, a lot. Yeah, I was very. Women drop 50 pounds and they look completely different. I was also taking Benadryls at night because I couldn't sleep. I was a mess. It wasn't good. That's not good. No, I wasn't okay. Um, I came back. Uh, situation that I was in worsened. And then I um, basically got my heart broken. And I would eat because it was comforting. It was the only way I knew how to comfort myself. And as I said before, the food serves a purpose. And I think another purpose that the food served, if we're going to go even before my 20s, is, um, you know, when I was younger, I felt like I didn't have a voice. There was a lot of childhood trauma um, that went on. And that's not to say that my family isn't great. It's just, you know, everyone has their own shit. Every family does. Yeah. So I... um would eat, I learned in therapy to suppress my voice because I didn't feel like I had one. And by shoving food down my throat, I was continuing to do that, to to reinforce the fact that I didn't have a voice. Yeah, yeah. Now, after that heartbreak uh, and everything like that, I'm in college now getting my bachelor's, and all of a sudden my, my eye starts acting weird, and I ignore it because this is what I do. Like, meh, it's nothing, whatever. And it gets so bad that, like, I can barely see out of it. Fast forward, turns out I have a rare eye condition that will eventually lead me to go blind if it progresses fast enough. Um, It's degenerative, it's not curable, and the most frustrating part is it's different case by case. Everybody has a different story. Some people get pregnant and completely lose their vision because all their nutrients went to the baby. Some people get pregnant and they're totally functional. It's a very scary, no guarantee kind of thing. So that threw me into a wild, wild depression. Now, is that the first time you've actually revealed that? Like, No, publicly? people know. Okay. I mean, publicly, no, not really. People, people in my, like inner and outer circle kind of know it's not it's just not something i talk about a lot because well everyone has all these annoying questions and i don't like to talk about it because there's no answers well not to and, and i don't mean to come off this way baby and you know that but um if people are around you 
they I, i'm sure if they're around you long enough they'll start to notice like oh yeah because i do weird shit but it, it, no it's not weird it's not weird it, it's due to it your... is weird though because people don't know what my problem is when they go to shake my hand and i can't see it well, i don't shake their hand back that's because your peripheral vision is off right but people just think i'm being rude so to right. them what's this girl's problem you know what i mean if you're around me long enough you'll notice the weird shit i do but i'm like the nicest person on earth and i would never be mean so so i go into this wild depression and my life was literally barely get up for work come home get high i was smoking weed like a banshee <laughs> um eat macaroni and cheese take a shower go to bed at like seven eight o'clock at night because i was so high i would go to sleep wake up do it all again and that was my life and then in that time i met my ex-husband you imagine meeting someone like that in that state i mean i met my ex-wife in a bad state so yes yes well we're very that's the one thing that we have in common is our our stories as far as romance goes um or lack thereof well i want to just say this too though but like for your ex-husband and my ex-wife, like, they're not bad people. No. And they stuck a hand out when probably nobody else did or well, nobody else would at that point. So yeah. I could understand, like, me and you were both very screwed up at that point. Like, I was in my head about a lot of things and severely overweight. And you were, you know, eventually becoming a relative of Cheech and Chong. It is what it is. <laughs> so, um... You know, I ended up getting married, and that was probably when I hit the lowest depression point, like, of my life. I, when I say barely getting up for work before, I'm talking calling out, falling asleep at work. Wow. Not doing my work, because I just could not focus, and I would just sit there and stare. Like, not myself, a shell of myself. And I finally got to a point where I was, because um, I received... Finally, my master's in uh, special and general education, mm -hmm. and I was going for a uh, certification test, and that was like the last stressful thing. Now, mind you, we're going to back up pre-wedding. I was getting my master's, was finishing student teaching. I was planning a wedding by myself, and I was uh, managing a caseload of people that had their own problems, so we can imagine the kind of stress that I was under from all of that. I graduated, I was married, um, and I just was basically, it was like a, a, a shockwave effect, and I couldn't take it. So then I dropped, I think I dropped uh, my friends off at a bar, um, and I go, I call my mom because I had to test the next day, and that's why I didn't go to the bar. So I call my mom, and I was just hysterical. I was like, Mom, I can't do this anymore. Right. Like, I was so stressed out about the test, and then, you know, again, the shockwave residual effect from the year that I had had. Sure. Um, I was like, I can't do this anymore. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, I, I can't do this anymore, meaning, like, life. And I was hysterical because I it was finally, like, succumbing to the fact that, like, I needed help. Well, you, so, had, you had everything. I mean, you graduated college, you were married, you were, like, technically where you're supposed to be yeah. in quote-unquote life. Yeah. But mentally, you were just... I thought I was doing everything that I wanted to do and that I was supposed to do and that was making my parents proud. But at the end of the day, 
I was not fixing the problems within myself that I needed to, and I was turning to food. I was eating. I was, you know. Become miserable. At that point, when I was really super depressed after being married, I was binge eating. And I would eat so much to the point where I was uncomfortable. And I couldn't, like, sit with myself anymore. wasn't even like I'd get nauseous. wasn't even like I would, like, it was just I felt sick. And I was like, this is gross. But I just, I guess I was trying to numb something because we said food served a purpose, right? Food definitely serves a purpose, especially when you're feeling down about yourself. Yeah. And if you're overweight as it is, you know, you you can drive through a drive-thru. And get what you need to get, especially like at something place like Taco Bell. And I know I've personally, like when you just said, oh, I've eaten to, you know, you've eaten to where you're so uncomfortable. I have too. But the difference between you and I is I think that we were both at different points in our life, mm-hmm. but we were both eating for the almost same type of purpose. You know what I'm saying? Like it was definitely to numb something, some, some type of pain, mm-hmm. some type of trauma. Yeah. So I I definitely understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah. So I, uh, my mom had helped and she had found me a therapist. Mm -hmm. I previously had seen a therapist when I was like 17 years old and I, um, I was barely graduating high school. My mom saw pictures of me smoking pot and she was like, bitch, you're done. Now you're going to therapy. It was like a punishment and I hated it. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I should. Now we're fast forwarding to when I couldn't deal anymore. I said, I don't know. You know, like, I don't know if I should do this. I hated therapy the last time, but it actually ended up turning out to be good. So maybe it wasn't bad. But like at that point, I had nothing else left. What was I going to do? There was nothing else to do. So I go to therapy and that helped me probably more than anything. I learned how to help myself. I learned that I do have a voice. I learned that food serves a purpose. I learned all of these things that I preach on my own social media and on our podcast. Um, and um, it really helped me. Now, I'm not saying I'm fully healed now and I'm the Messiah and I know all. Trust me, I'm still a work in progress. We both are. I don't know. If you ask me about, oh, you know, how much should I eat of this? And how much, I, dude, I don't know, my ass from my elbow. Like, I know what's good for me. Yeah. And that's what this journey is about. It's what's good for you. Yeah. Everybody's different. You know, you eat different things than I do. And I don't think a lot of people know that. Mm-hmm. I think that they know that we're doing it together, but they don't realize that, or they don't know that you're eating things that are completely different from me. Yeah. So, well, my next point was saying um, that part of the reason that we gained weight while we were enjoying ourselves um, and each other and... Also, I, I, as a woman, gained weight very fast. I gained 30 pounds in a year. Right. Um, And that part of that is due to PCOS, which if you don't know what that is, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. There are a lot of women that have it. Um, It is a hormone and endocrine disorder that has some crazy side effects. Lucky for me, I don't really deal with much, thankfully, other than an irregular period and a um, weight gain. Like, I gain weight really fast. Yeah. Um, other women have facial hair growth, weird hair growth in different areas, um, bad acne. Yeah, I've seen that actually on TikTok. There was a woman that 
said that she had, she suffers from PCOS, and wow, she had a beard. Oh yeah, I saw that lady too. Oh my God, she's so cool bad. though. If you actually like listen to her talk, I'm sure you just scrolled past it like what the fuck, but yeah, she's pretty I cool. So this fucking lady with a beard, and I'm like, what? Yeah, you know, that's for me. bad. But I felt bad because you know you don't she don't deserve that, you know. Yeah. So lucky for me, I don't really deal with a lot. Um, that doesn't mean that it still doesn't affect my life. You know, I at one time was going for fertility treatments because I didn't know what, you know, like why, why me having a healthy diet and working out wasn't getting me pregnant. Right. Um, this is when I was married, of course, but I realized there was a bigger plan and that wasn't what was meant for me at that time. So lucky for me, it didn't work out. But um, also social media has been huge with with learning about PCOS. There's uh, a lot of different accounts now on Instagram that, you know, will share things like I shared this with Noah, our nutritionist. I said, look at this, this uh, Instagram page posted like PCOS safe barbecues. And it gave you like four or five different options of like food you could eat. Gluten-free stuff. Well, yeah, and gluten-free, just because there's four different kinds of oh, um, PCOS. It sucks. It's not that bad, honestly. It's disgusting. Okay. Well, this is what he means by we eat different things. Um, but it, It's true. But okay. Thank you. Thank you for confirming that. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, there's all sorts of different kinds of information out there, and... Oh, we were talking about gluten-free. So gluten-free may work for one kind of PCOS, may not be so successful for another. Right now, it's working for me. Um, I don't really hate it because I could still, like, I'm eating sweet potatoes and shit. I like that. You're, you, uh, listen, I saw your lunch today, and after you put it in the microwave and you heated it up and you gave it back, I, I took it out for you, and I was like, what is in there? And I was like, hmm. And I, I took a little spoonful of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it was good. It was really good. I, I I will say that. Yeah, so I'm still eating things that I like. It's just not macaroni and cheese. Because I was going to say before, if you see me eating macaroni and cheese, you know I'm fucked up. That's like my bad food, like my bad space food. Macaroni and cheese. Oh, but I love it so much, but it's n- so what gets me to like a shit place. It doesn't help. Like when you're eating good food, you're having a good mind and you're having good thoughts. I- and you have good energy, right? I think everybody has a bad food. Like you just said, yours is mac and cheese. Mine's Oreos and milk. I love whole, regular milk with Oreos. Oh, that's disgusting. It's something that I grew up on. But you know what? Since we've been doing this, I've been staying away from that. And you know that because when I first met you and we first started getting closer together, I would buy milk like it was nobody's business. Oh my God, one time I tricked Ryan and I, um, because I thought just the whole milk was so repulsive and disgusting. Like, if you're not going to drink breast food, breast milk from your mother, why would you drink breast milk from a cow? Like, disgusting to me. I People grow up on it, Allie. Gross. Which I agree now because I know about it now, sure. But I agree with you. So I, uh, while he wasn't at my house, I went to the store and I bought 2%, right? Which is still disgusting, but a, a little bit better than whole milk. I dumped, like, it was like half the whole milk container left. I dump it out. Sorry to waste animal things, but that's what I did. And then I poured all of the 2% milk in it. Um, and I left a little space so it still looked like it was open. I was very good with it, right? Very sneaky. The things that you do for me. And he ate his cereal... 
didn't even notice, didn't even flinch. And I was like, so you don't really love whole milk. You just love the comfort and the taste of what you think is whole milk. Well, listen, not for nothing. But if you're going to have fruity pebbles and 2% milk, I don't think you could really notice a difference because all the sugar that's well, in I, there. Well, my game plan was eventually to wean you down and see how far it could go, but we didn't really get there because now we're here. So you don't drink whole milk or any milk. That still bothers me. Yeah, well, you. it works out well for me because I don't have to look at it. Let's go back to your PCOS, Allie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back there. <laughs> no, it's okay. Listen, I know I'm not the easiest to deal with, so I can understand that. But And I do appreciate you trying to look out for me. No, and... I think that you've come really, truly a long way because I would suggest something before Noah... And before seeing the nutritionist together, I was trying to do my own thing. And Ryan would be like, this isn't enough food or this isn't something that I eat. I don't like this. Literally any excuse in the book just to not eat it because he just didn't want to. Yeah, because to me in my head, it sucked. Yeah. And I wasn't having a party every single day. And when I say party, I mean wake up in the morning. One day of eating, I'm not even kidding, would be a bagel sandwich from the deli with a large 40, 40 ounce iced tea. Right with light ice, which means that it's not going to dilute it. Then for lunch, it would be something like pizza or anything that we had out. And then dinner, we would be like, mm, "Do you want Chinese food?" And then after the Chinese food, we would sit there with either I'd eat a whole pint of Pen and Jerry, uh, Pen and Jerry's, Ben and Jerry's, or I would have like a whole sleeve and a half of double stuffed Oreos with maybe two glasses of milk. And when I say a glass of milk, I don't mean eight ounces. I mean like sixteen ounces each. But Again, this is not, even though I had surgery, it all went down easier. So, because you're fast-forwarding and my stomach expanded a little bit. I was going to say, even though you had surgery, that doesn't mean your stomach stopped stretching. No, it didn't. But because in my mind, I was just ignoring every factor that was like, wait, stop, stop, stop. And at that point, I wasn't vomiting. So, it is what it is at that point. Anyway, so let's get back to your PCOS. I, I said what I needed to say. Okay, so let's fast forward from, well, now, me and you were together. Oh. Okay, so, before Noah, um, I have seen a dietitian. I think it's important to uh, highlight the discrepancy between the two or the differences between the two, which, thankfully, our nutritionist explained to me. Dietitians are great. They go to school for what they do, but their information, because they follow a lot of like American Diabetes Association and stuff like that, is uh, it's not as current. It's not as out of date. And we know that nothing changes faster than um, health information. So uh, one benefit I did get from her, though, is that she did food education with me. So she would teach me how to eat differently. Um, she taught me how to pace myself, um, which are strategies I can definitely share. She taught me how to feel full. She taught me uh, a lot of different things about the ways that I was eating. And um, she had me write down everything and then she would highlight things and say, okay, you have X amount of fat in, in this one meal. We need to spread that out throughout the day, stuff like that. So I don't want to say that even though my progress with her was very slow, 
I don't want to say that she didn't help me because I learned a lot from her. Now we're going to fast forward to meeting Noah. I explained a lot of this to him and he thought it was pretty cool. And, um, being that I kind of had a background, I, you know, I, I knew a lot of what the emotional side of the eating was doing. I knew a lot of, you know, strategies and techniques. Really what he wanted to focus on is just getting me the right food right. and the right nutrition for my PCOS. Mm-hmm. Um, and the right vitamins and stuff like that because that's where I was lacking was even though I was educated on how to eat food I wasn't educated on the correct foods to eat for my body to to facilitate you know weight loss and a healthy period and and good energy and stuff like that right, right. um so that's that's kind of where we're at right now and as I said before still a work in progress still learning but that's the one thing that I enjoy about this is that I still get to learn and I'm still um like absorbing more knowledge and I'm kind of a nerd so I I I, that's one thing I kind of really like is to be able to know more Allie I think you're doing a great job honey I really do I think that you and I together are doing amazing from what we were doing two and a half months ago. Mm-hmm. So I just want to let you know that I'm going to be your biggest supporter. I'm your biggest cheerleader. And I'm very proud of you. I'm proud of you for actually standing behind me because I know I could be difficult. Mm-hmm. And just so we're clear, I started this first, you know, with my journey with Noah and Allie did it with me. You know, she could have said, yeah, no, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Oh, yeah. I ate what you were eating. Which was the first three days were brutal. Like with the Joseph Lavash bread and the chicken and the kale. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, what did I get myself into? But after the third day, we started to spruce things up and change things a little bit. And the food started to be really, really good. And we started to feel better. And then we found out that everything that I was eating, Allie should not be eating. (laughs) So... You because know, of the gluten in it. Because of the gluten, yeah. But I do want to say that I do appreciate you sticking by me for doing this with me. And not just with me, but for you too. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of you for that. And I'm proud of you for taking the proper steps that you needed to do. And I just want to say for everything, for all everything that's going on for you. You know, I'm just, I love you and I'm very proud of you. That's all I can say. Thanks, babe. I love you too. So you got a little bit of a background from Allie and I. Uh, this is the first episode of Closer to Free. Allie, how do you think that we did? I think we did pretty good. Yeah, right? Not bad. The cool so, thing is, like, this is how we talk regularly. Did it, that is true. Me and you do have conversations like we this. We don't shut up. No, we don't. So what we're going to do is, if Allie wants to continue to keep doing this with me, which hopefully she does, um, we'll see how the first episode pans out. If you can, please give us a, a subscribe and give us a review and get and you know do a rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you could find me again on Instagram at working on Ryan. That's W O R K I N G underscore on underscore Ryan. And also, guys, don't forget to follow Eighty Cinemas and Ninety Cinemas on Instagram. That's where most everybody knows me from and all my cinemaniacs. So I want to say, Allie, until next time. Toodaloo, motherfucker. You would say something like that. Everybody wants to be